Welcome to The Bottleneck. The Bottleneck is a podcast dedicated to the love of factory and automation games. We're here to bring you the latest news and game reviews in the genre. I'm your host, Dave, joined by my fellow co-host, longtime friend, and virtual drinking buddy, Chris. We're a couple of guys who have decades of gaming experience across a variety of gaming genres, who in the past couple years have shared a deep appreciation for factory and automation games. In today's episode, we're going to spend most of our time talking about the progenitor of the genre, Factorio. We'll talk about the expansion that will eventually be coming out, and then review the game itself. No spoilers, but we kind of like it. In this week's notable news, both Satisfactory and Cubifactorium released patches to address minor bugs and UI issues. But the big news this week, the reason we put this episode together, is that Wubei Software released some more information about the upcoming expansion. They initially announced the plan for an expansion pack a year ago, but that was really just to say they were doing it, nothing about what it actually was. The main news then was that they didn't think it would take less than a year to develop. Well, a year later, they were right. It's not done yet. But they gave us a lot more information on it. Firstly, they talked price. It's going to be another $30, and they plan to put in enough content to try and make that worth it. It's an interesting approach to sell the expansion for the same amount as the base game, but the game already has more content than most $60 AAA titles. Most diehard Factorio fans won't blink at that. I don't think I will. The second note was where they are in the process. They say all the different systems have been figured out at a very basic level and created, and they're working on connecting everything into a prototype. Parts of it are playable, and they're close to being able to do an end-to-end playtest. After that, they'll do some initial internal tweaking. Once they've tweaked things, made the user experience tolerable, and put in all the graphics they need, they'll move to beta testing and then to release. They do not plan to use a long experimental phase like they did with the main game, but will instead release a stable version as a first exposure to the world beyond the beta testers. Then, they close their announcement with a cool piece of concept art of a floating brain with crazy tentacles. But I'm really interested to see how this, you know, forces people to change up the fence mechanisms for when they build their factories, you know. You can't just line choke points with walls anymore. Things can fly around now. I'm curious if if you're going to have to address that or if they're going to come out with new content for anti-air so i'm really interested to see how that come yeah that that could be uh quite the quite the wrench yeah so really they gave us a lot more very general information about the expansion but beyond that little spoiler image that may or may not actually be part of it they didn't give us any real data about what's in it It's exciting to know that they've made a lot of progress getting it ready, but it's a little bit frustrating to not know anything about the content. Yeah, it's definitely building a little bit of hype. I'm very intrigued by what I read, and yeah, I'm starting to get a little excited knowing that uh, I think we're closer to it than we are away from it at this point. So, really, I went in on that beta test. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I wonder if we can get in on that. So, that would be fun. Yeah. In other automation or factory game news, Infraspace has been posting Friday news drops the past few weeks with big pieces of content coming in their next large update on February 25th. We might have to take a look at that one after that update. Sounds like they're making a lot of quality of life updates like UI scaling, making buildings adjust to terrain to remain upright instead of tilting. Seems like an odd design decision initially. Infraspace is a little bit more of a city builder type game maybe. 
but definitely has supply chain design and automated resource production. So it kind of lands in our wheelhouse as well. In this week's review, we're going to look at Factorio. Factorio is a title out of the Czech Republic by developer Wubei Software and is in the factory and automation genre. In the universe of Factorio, you are an engineer who has crash landed on a hostile alien planet. In its standard format, your goal is to build a factory heavily, heavily utilizing automation, which consists of belts and inserters, assembly machines and chemical plants, and researching new technologies to automate your way to large-scale production with the ultimate goal of launching a rocket ship into space. You can end your game there or continue playing, refining, and growing the factory to tackle the ever-increasing cost of never-ending research. In the beginning, you have nothing but your axe and some basic materials found on your crashed ship. You start off directly mining raw resources such as stone, coal, iron ore, and copper ore to construct automated miners and smelters. Some items can't be handcrafted, so unlocking the full potential of the factory requires automation. Or as an example, feeding raw ores into smelters to produce iron and copper plates. Research is at the center of the game, requiring the production of and eventually automated mass production of science packs used by the research labs to unlock new technologies. The first major technology researched is the assembly building, which takes ingredients and materials and crafts them into more complex ingredients and or end products. This smelting and production, however, takes power to complete and produces a lot of pollution that spreads throughout the world, which the local biter population, a native species of aggressive pollution-eating creatures, do not take very kindly to. They will fight back, attacking the sources of pollution. You will be locked into an ever-growing need to expand your factory to increase its production whilst fighting off the local natives as they evolve into faster, stronger, and a more numerous enemy. To fend off the local populace, you are armed with only a pistol and basic ammunition, but your prowess eventually grows to include automated gun turrets, flamethrowers, laser turrets, and also being able to arm yourself with machine guns, rocket launchers, or even atomic bombs. There are vehicles in the games from a fast car to help you get around with the machine gun mounted on it, to tanks, or even the ultimate craft, an eight-legged device of destruction called the Spider-Tron. Unlocking these weapons requires advancement through the technology tree, starting with the basic science pack, but eventually requiring upwards of seven to eight science packs to complete different research. Unlocking these weapons requires advancement through the technology tree. Initially, you start by crafting a basic science pack, which only takes a couple ingredients, but more advanced technologies require increasingly complex science packs to research. Eventually, late-game technologies require seven to eight of these science packs to complete research, with the most complex pack requiring carefully planned logistics and assembly lines to produce. As technology is unlocked, you are equipped with the means to produce more complicated items, but additionally, you gain the means of moving the materials around your factory in a more efficient fashion. From the start, you're equipped with basic inserters and conveyor belts, but eventually unlock faster belts and even more flexible logistic capabilities. The first major research upgrade to your logistics is the use of trains. Trains can move large quantities of resources and items between distant areas of your factory at great speeds. Through the use of train stops, chain rail signals, and one's own creative brain, a complex network of tracks and stops can be developed to source materials to supply the ever-growing need of the base. Sometimes trains take too much space and you can't quite get the belts to be flexible with your needs. After being unlocked as one of the many technologies, the logistic bot network becomes available for use. Through a network of roboports stocked with logistic and construction bots, and with the use of specialized logistic chests, 
The job of moving materials and even construction of the base itself can be handled by these little bots zipping around. This allows for maximal use of blueprints, a system that allows for copying, cutting, and pasting sections of the factory that can be saved for later use or to rearrange the factory to help clean up some of that spaghetti mess. You can stamp down these blueprints and let your bot minions build them for you, increasing the speed at which the base can be expanded to fill the ever-snowballing demands of the base. Blueprints can even be exported and shared with others, including on websites specialized in the collection of thousands of blueprints. Once your factory is cranking out science packs in mass and you work through the technology tree, you finally unlock space science research and the ability to produce the rocket silo. The rocket is the ultimate complex item requiring the mining, smelting, consumption, and creation of more than 1.4 million items to produce a single one. Once launched, you have achieved victory and can marvel at your factory creation. The game officially ends there. However, you can opt to continue working on the base, refining and expanding blueprints, optimizing assembly line layouts, increasing production of science packs, simply seeing how big your factory can grow, or just seeing how many levels of the infinite research you can complete. Factoria is one of those rare games, one that is defined and is the face of an entire genre of video games. It's, it's balanced, difficult yet flexible, and has infinite replayability through procedural generation of the world, the vast modding community, and the ability to co-op with friends. It can be enjoyed for countless hours on end, and is the ultimate time warp where gaming sessions engross your attention for hours on end. Normally we'd start talking about initial impressions of the game at this point, but we're both well past the point of initial impressions. I've mostly played the DRM-free version from the website, only recently activating the game on Steam, but I probably have upwards of 500 hours in the game. And according to Steam, it pegs me about 1,660 hours. Due to how the game runs, though, doesn't use a lot of CPU or memory or GPU or a lot of power. So I tend to just pause it overnight or, you know, pause it in between leaving for dinner and things like that. So in all reality, probably about eight, 800 real hours or so in playing it. And in terms of the community, I would say we're both really novices in Factorio as well. You know, there are people who talk about playing one to 5,000 hours in this game. It's a, uh, a real-time sync. One of the great things that I like most about Factorio is that the different parts of it can be used as little or as much as you want, including a lot of the things you talked about in your description, Chris. For example, my one of my first playthroughs, I unlocked logistics at the normal point in the tree, but it took me forever to really start using it because I couldn't be bothered to spin up production of roboports and bots. I was still enjoying putting things down manually. Then I scaled up, started using blueprints, and now I can't imagine not starting to use bots immediately once I unlock them when I play them again. But, you know, I could go back to doing stuff manually again and it, it would work just fine. Another great way to adjust things is in the initial setup of the game where you can make enemies as aggressive as you want or non-existent, resources as abundant or scarce as you want, and adjust many other settings as well. So in terms of actually reviewing the game. We're going to start by talking about the gameplay. The gameplay is, of course, awesome. Everything is smooth. The UI and controls just work. There's always something to do, no matter where in the game you are. The hard part is always just picking what to do. I would say for me personally, the least interesting thing is the combat and biters, but you can turn those off if you want, so it's not really an issue. It can be 
tough defending your factory if you're trying to expand rapidly, if you have those biters turned on, but intelligent management of it is part of the game and can be really interesting. Yeah, I'm with you. The I find the biters, you know, sometimes I do a really big starting area so I don't have to be bothered with them right off the bat. Uh, my most recent playthrough, I cranked everything up on them, you know, made them expand faster. But I got to the point where I have artillery outposts, and anytime the radar see a new biter colony that comes close, that just starts blasting them to smithereens anyway. So, <laughs> you know, it's I got a pretty pretty decent radius around the base right now that's pretty heavily defended. Uh, I don't. I don't have any other issues <laughs> with the biters at this time. I do love the gameplay. The UI is very well laid out. You can tell it's purposeful. They put a lot of time into it. One of the big notes I had on it was, and this kind of bleeds into balance as well, the recipes aren't terribly complex in a lot of cases. There's not that many steps to the to the recipes. I played other games. The one that comes to mind is like Satisfactory, right, where there might be seven or eight levels or more before you get to a final product. You know, in Factorio, it's two, three, maybe max of four levels until you hit the final products. It's not terribly, it's not overly complex in that manner where you're generating these massive assembly lines that make one intermediate product that's really not used that often. Most of the intermediate products you use the multiple recipes and different combinations. So you're not, you know, it's not overly complex. And I, I do love that about the game. You know, I don't want to have to manage or remember recipes for 500 different intermediate objects. So I do find a great, great love about that. Yeah, the complexity is in figuring out how to expand intelligently rather than in how in figuring out how to produce an individual item. Yeah, and... That's that's the complexity with Factorio is when once you learn the mechanics, like inserters can only place an item on the back side of a belt, for instance, right? And learning how to do like there's very specific mechanics and that's the complexity that I like because you have to build the assembly lines around oh well if I put the inserter puts it on this side of the belt and it makes a right hand turn and I need to put something on the other side of the belt. What does that look like? That gameplay aspect of it, having to manage how it's laid out. You know, it's not just dumping things down and hit and go. You know, you actually have to think and down to those little details when when building out those parts of the factory. Yeah, and then eventually it becomes second nature to use those little details to your advantage, like using both sides of the belt to feed different things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. In terms of balance, like you said, they've put a ton of work into balancing the game. The ratios are great in the recipes. Building time seems to be spot on. You know, some things can be a little frustratingly long, but they're the, you know, the kind of end game items that are really massive. So it makes sense. I'd say the challenge scales really well throughout the game and the default biter settings are pretty solid for keeping a bit of pressure on you, but not really driving you crazy. And if they do drive you crazy, you can just turn them down. Yeah. I like that. It keeps you on your toes. As you were saying, you know, last thing, and this happened to me in my roast recent gameplay is I was completely on the other side, you know, solid two minute walk. And I was uh, fighting, trying to expand east of the base and I'm over there and, 
my car gets blown up and then fighters found a loophole in my defenses and now they're tearing up, you know, a whole mining section and I have to slow boat it all the way back to that side of the factory. And <laughs> they, they definitely keep nice. you honest. So, yep. Yeah. So the next section is graphics and sound. It's not exactly the prettiest game, but the graphics do fit the aesthetic pretty well. It's a little gritty and dark. I generally tend to prefer 2D games into 3D, first-person, or even third-person games, so I like the style overall. It also, the graphics help the game run really well, which is a, kind of a big thing in this type of game. Your factory gets really complicated. If you're wasting too much of your processing power on graphics, then how's your factory going to run? You know, they're not overall as beautiful as Dyson Sphere Program or Satisfactory, but I really like them. And the sound design is solid. Uh, it fits the world well. And there's some really good sound effects that help you out with things like, oh, I'm being attacked somewhere. I'd better figure out where. Yeah, I'm a fan of the graphics. You know, it has like a steampunk vibe to it almost. You know, they are simple. I'm a, I'm a fan of, of the era of video games that this parks back to. It definitely, uh, I think I was mentioning the other day to you that working on a mega base right now and it's only using about 15% of the GPU processing power and about 4% of the CPU late game mega base. You also got to ball our new computer. So that's part of that. That definitely helps. Yeah. The uh, soundtrack I'm a fan of, it's almost, uh, almost has like an a, a ASMR type quality to it. You know, you're late at night, yeah. just tweaking on your base and just have the soft background music, which isn't overpowering or anything. Sitting there, you hear the the whirring of, of machines and the mining drills that are real faint off in the distance. And nothing's overpowering. That's what's nice about it. Until my new nuclear plant, I placed too many of them at once and it actually slowed it down. It sounded the alarm on the blueprint. There's a massive megaphone on it doing a big alarm and it scared the crap out of me the other morning when that happened. So I don't think I've ever run into that. <laughs> Yeah, I was, but I'm a big fan of the soundtrack and the, and the sound. And then as far as the weight of the game, so next category, this uh, literally it's as hard or as easy as you want it to be. So you can do expensive mode for both research and for building things, which increases, I believe, four times the cost of making something. So there is, so there is that option. As well as with the biter population, you can increase... How, how fast pollution spreads throughout the world, how many biters attack when a certain amount of pollution hits their area. And you can move those scale, you know, those slider bars all the way up. You can make it as hard as you want, or you can completely turn it off and just go full creative sandbox mode. So the weight for me would get maximum score because you do have that flexibility to literally make a game as hard or as easy as you want it to. Yep, exactly. It's it's perfect. You can do entirely whatever you want. There's no way to knock it. Another area to talk about is the controls. And this is another spot where the years of development that this game has gone through and the experimental branch and then in final release have honed it to near perfection. There are lots of different ways that you can, you know, use control clicking and shift clicking to do, you know, selecting parts of stacks or moving things around really easily without having to open up uh, all the different buildings necessarily to take things out of them. Um, it's just 
it's brilliant. Once you know what the controls are, they feel pretty intuitive, I feel like. And if there are things that you don't like about it, there's probably a mod for that, too. So the controls are just about as good as it gets. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I do like that it's mainly one. You're not moving your hand a lot. You're not moving your handle around the keyboard a whole heck of a lot to do things. I think just jumping in and out of vehicles, you have to reach over it and hit enter. But the most part, your left hand's on the home row. You're, it's not a, it's not a single like uh, not a mouse only game by any means. You're definitely pressing hot keys constantly on the keyboard. But yeah, you have the ability to rebind, and there's some mods out there that add to the quality of life. One of the mods that I've used actually to help the controls is copy-pasting modules. So the same one you use, the shift right-click and then shift left-click to copy the recipe, it also copies whatever modules are in that as well. So again, the ability to, to modify that, even perfect perfection even more, you do have that, that ability. Yeah, I'm, I'm lazy enough that I remapped entering vehicle to alt and turned alt mode to enter because I can't imagine a world in which... <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, that should be on by default, but I get it. You could toggle it on, all, on and off. But, uh, Sometimes you want screenshots that are very opaque. I don't know. <laughs> and then our final category of the individual categories is the replayability and modding. Obviously, as I mentioned in the in the review, is max score as well. If we were to give it an actual grading. Again, the worlds are procedurally generated. You punch in the seed, hit generate. There's slider bars for everything. Every type of thing in the game on the world. From resource richness, the size of resources, to how frequently they show up on the map, to the size of waters. You can add or remove cliffs. You can even increase the moisture content, which tells you how much grassland and forest there are versus desert. The modding community is huge with it. There's several thousand mods on there, so you can tweak. There's mods for cheating. There's mods for not cheating. There's quality of life improvements. Yeah, I see this as a max score for modding and replayability because while the game is excellent in its base game, there's just some things you want to tweak. You have that option, and it's fully supported by the development team. Yeah, there are even total conversion mods like Space Exploration or Crestorio. It's like you're playing a totally different game, but hey, it's still Factorio. It's virtually endless replayability, like you said. And also, you don't even need replayability because... There's almost endless playability in the first game you start. You can just keep expanding. The factory must grow, right? Exactly. Yeah, the uh, developer in a blog on their site said that it would take you like 10 years of real life to walk to the edge of the map because it's so large and procedurally generated. I think he said your system would end up crashing from running out of resources before you reach the edge of the map. So, yeah, literally... Wow. You don't have to restart the game. It's it's something like 10,000 kilometers or something in one direction before you'd run out of memory. Because I don't think you can reach the edge of the map, technically. So. Yeah. Seems like overkill. Yeah. But that's the beautiful part about it. Yeah. So, overall score, 10 out of 10. It's the game that started the craze. It hasn't been beat yet. I do find myself enjoying Dyson Sphere program a lot. And it has potential to, in my book, possibly pass Factorio, depending on how well they implement combat and the, the next few patches. But yeah, right now, Factorio is the gold standard. Yep, I'm with you. 10 out of 10 right now. 
I can't wait for the expansion to come out, see what improvements they're going to make to the game. Hopefully they keep it true to the original and don't stray too far. But overall, I'm always coming back to Factorio after playing other games. I just get that itch, the fact that I could jump right in. It's like riding a bike. The controls are always the same. And I think I've mentioned this when we did the, the, the Autonauts review last week, that it annoys me that the controls at Autonauts are not, <laughs> you know, other other developers yes. should be mapping their controls to what Factorio is, right? So, yep. But yeah, at the end of the day, it is the gold standard, as you said. It's the face of the of the genre right now, and I'm looking for looking forward to more years of enjoyment out of it. So, speaking of bottlenecks, what's in your glass this week, Dave? Unfortunately, this week. I just have water in my glass. Uh, my family's got a, a round of colds. I anticipate that I will probably be spending a couple hours up in the middle of the night with the one-year-old, not to mention the fact that I feel pretty crappy myself and I'm on so many different uh, medications that I probably shouldn't be drinking anyways. But if I were drinking a beer, it would probably be an Edmund Fitzgerald Porter from Great Lakes Brewing in Cleveland, Ohio. A nice roasty malty porter uh, one of my all-time favorites yeah i missed the you know ever since moving to arizona i haven't had uh much of the great lakes beer outside of when family ships it out and the local mega gross uh the local mega liquor stores did a deal with great lakes a few years back and imported an entire truckload of great lakes beer so we did get it one time several years ago but Man, I haven't had a Edmund Fitzgerald in many, many years. Definitely That's a delicious bad. beer. What are yeah. you, what are you drinking? Uh, tonight I picked up a bottle of Four Roses Small Batch Select. So switching from beer to whiskey this week. It's a nice little, you know, straight bourbon whiskey out of Kentucky. Four Roses is a big brand. This is a blend of three of their most popular mash bills and yeast that they use. So very delicious whiskey. Highly recommend it. Not terribly expensive either. So yeah, it's been a, it's definitely been a whiskey week this week for me. So did a lot more of that. Had to burn off some of the calories from the beer we've been drinking skiing lately. So nice. Yeah, we spent 11 days of the 31 in, in January on the side of a of a ski resort. So, you know, lots of beer, lots of crappy food away from home. I got to yeah. go sledding twice. That's nice. Well, your, your kids are at the age where sledding's the, the thing to do. Yep. Yeah, that's fun. I miss sledding. Haven't been in many, many years. It's uh, not as fun as skiing. <laughs> yeah. Can't imagine, but yeah. So, outside of that, what have you been playing? I think you mentioned you've been doing a lot of Dyson Sphere program. Yeah, I've got that bug. Um, I've been playing Dyson Sphere program. I've finally abandoned my original homeworld that's still there producing a little bit of science, but I'm building up a, a much larger base on a different world uh, to get me set up so that I can start making individual worlds producing massive amounts of goods so that I can get some absolutely ridiculous science per minute. Uh, 
It'll be one of my first mega bases if I do actually follow through on all of it in a game. I never quite got there in Factorio. I got some decent, decent science production, but nothing that I would actually call a mega base. So, uh, like I said, it's it's really it's really getting me right now. I'm currently liking it quite a bit. What have you been playing? So I've been on a factorial kick. I mean, we were reviewing it this week. I had to do some research for the show, obviously, but played way too much of it in the last couple of weeks. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just such a good game. I, I'm, I'm finding I waste so much time ignoring the wife, you know, she's probably not very happy with me, but things happen. You know, the the show must be produced. I got to do research for it. At least that's what I tell her. Um, And then outside of that, uh, Cube Effectorium went on sale this week. So that was on our list of games to play that you and I came up with prior to starting the show. And I played uh, about two hours of that today. It was my first time diving in. I completed all the tutorials and then started through the campaign. There's a campaign mode. And... Yeah, I'm on the second island, so not very far into it, but it's giving me a lot of uh, like Autonauts with RimWorld. Um, I know RimWorld's not, you know, it's a colony management, resource management, but it's not like a factory automation game. Um, but it gives me the vibes of that Dwarf Fortress slash RimWorld combined with a Autonauts type of thing, so... It's not going to be a huge mega factory, but there's there's trains in it. There's assembly lines and inserters and uh, conveyor belts. Uh, it's a lot easier than Autonauts with the controls. I like it a lot better in that aspect. So we'll see. We'll probably have to do that that one here in the next couple of weeks or so. Do that as the game of the week. But. Yeah, I played it for all of four minutes so far after also buying it in the sale. I uh, got most of the way through the first tutorial. And then uh, decided to come back to it later. And then uh, I did a little bit of streaming. Got the got our Twitch channel up and running for the Bottleneck Show. You guys are welcome to follow it. Just search Bottleneck Show and Twitch. And to check out our upcoming schedule, I'm going to start posting and try to do some regular Twitch streams. It's going to be nothing fancy. It's just, you know, let's play Factorio or whatever game I'm playing that day. And Dave's going to jump in, do some streaming as well on the channel. So, you know, depending on which day you guys are logging in, you're going to see either Dave or myself streaming for you guys. So, And if we ever get synced up, we're going to have to do some multiplayer Factorio to stream. Yeah, we've been talking about doing uh, an island hopper. So a bunch of small little islands that you have to bridge across to get the resources and have some biters waiting for us and we connect those islands so that should be fun i'm looking forward to doing doing a co-op yeah i've never never played a co-op before i'm definitely interested yeah so keep an eye out maybe you'll see us twitch streaming that here in the upcoming weeks next up we have the mod spotlight of the week in keeping with the theme of today's show chris is going to introduce a couple of mods he's been using for you guessed it factorio yeah, so this week I installed the UPS grade miner or UPS grade miner. I don't know how it's pronounced exactly. It's by King Dud. You can find it in the in the mod list for Factorio on the official site. 
And then also the warehousing mod, which was more of a necessity. It's more of a complement to the UPS grade miner. Basically what the UPS grade miner is, is it replaces 25 individually fully moduled miners with, with a single entity in the game. The purpose of that, of course, is to save UPS. For those of you who don't know, UPS stands for updates per second. As your factory gets huge, the amount of overhead on your computer gets massive, and UPS is a way to measure how much it's working. With mega factories, anything you can do to improve your UPS so that the game can run more smoothly helps. Yeah, so doing this one miner and replacing 25 miners, when you have you know, 20, 30, 40 different mining fields out there, really decreases the amount of UPS demand on the computer. So what I like about the UPS grade miner, though, is he did intend to balance it. You know, while it does replace 25 individual miners, it costs 25 times the cost of an individual miner, plus the cost of the modules, plus the cost of beacons. All that is rolled into the cost. So it's very expensive to produce one of these. And it consumes the energy of 25 fully modular, fully beaconed miners. So it's like 75 megawatts per miner that you put down, and it's producing like 2,600 pollution per minute. Well, yes, it saves. There's obviously the convenience. It's easy to place. It does have drawbacks. It still only has the single output to the single tile like a normal miner does. And by the time you have the research to use the UPS grade miner, your mining productivity is already so high that you can't keep up like a single blue belt outputting to it can't keep up with it. Because just like 25 fully beacon miners, you're probably outputting to seven or eight full, full, fully compressed blue belts at that point. In come the warehousing mod. You can put one of the warehouses at the output, just like you can output to a chest from a miner. The warehousing mod, however, is, I think the big one is 36 times the size of a single chest. So it's six by six. The obvious advantage of that is you could put multiple inserters on the outside, feeding multiple belts, run them in through a, a balancer, or just straight into straight into a train. So the warehousing mod, I use it. I feel the warehousing mod by itself, standalone, is a little bit of a cheat because it is massive storage. It's 2,600 spaces versus 48 spaces like a normal chest. Like, it's massive. So I find the warehousing mod by itself a little cheaty, but I use it in conjunction of the UPS grade miner to take advantage of the output of the miner. Because the output doesn't isn't constrained by outputting to a belt. It'll output to a warehouse as fast as it could possibly produce. What's the footprint of a warehouse? Uh, there's two of them. So you have a, I believe it's a four by four store. Oh, sorry. A three by three storehouse and then a six by six warehouse. Okay. So you can fit a lot of inserters around that. Exactly. I think I created a blueprint for it or I get uh I get nine belts out of it. So I have 18 inserters. And then each one feeds to uh, to a single, like half compressed belt. And then I feed it to a nine to four or a nine to eight load nice. uh, belt balancer. For more factory and automation game content, keep a lookout as we're expanding into new platforms. 
As we mentioned, we recently started streaming on our Twitch channel, and we'll be developing a community website in the near future. Thank you all for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. As always, the factory must grow.